Hi, all. These are generally conversations between adults after the children have left the table. The language can be spicy, and the subjects can get saucy. So if you're ready, this is the Southern Fork. Unscripted kitchen chats, and also studio chats, with some of the most interesting voices in the culinary South. I'm Stephanie Burt, a food and beverage writer who travels with her fork to write for a variety of publications, from magazines you might have on your coffee table to the website you love to visit for your favorite recipes. And I'm inviting you to come behind the scenes with me to get to know the people who make this Southern culinary landscape so special. I'm always hungry for the next bite, thirsty for that next sip, and ready for the next conversation. Let's dig in. The Southern Fork is proud to say that once again, the presenting sponsor for Season 8 is Townsend Automotive in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. First off, thanks to so many of you listeners out there who not only decided to purchase a vehicle from this family-owned business in the last two years, but also shared with them that it was directly because of their support of this show. That's what community even in our virtual format, is all about. Second, Townsend Automotive, celebrating 49 years serving West Alabama, has been extending its reach so that you don't even have to be in the Tuscaloosa area to purchase a car from them. Nationwide vehicle delivery service is available for Southern Fork listeners, and it's something that makes buying just the right new or certified pre-owned vehicle even easier. Visit TownsendHonda.com for current inventory. Or, of course, if you're in West Alabama, stop in. Townsend Automotive always salutes local entrepreneurs, from restaurateurs to podcasters, and they welcome you to be part of a community that does the same. There were more than 2 million weddings in the U.S. last year, averaging out to around 6,000 a day. And close to 80% included a custom-made wedding cake at the reception. For around 25 of those special couples, their cake designer was Manette Rushing of Savannah, Georgia. Her business, Custom Cakes, is not only known for the delicious cake she bakes, but for the outstandingly beautiful and lifelike sugar-paste flowers she hand-builds to adorn them. From trailing wisteria blossoms in the palest purple to orchids and frilly-petaled garden roses, Manette creates sugary works of art that blush to life under her hand. Celebrities from Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck to designer Marc Jacobs have wowed their guest with a Manette-made cake. And her work has been featured in Martha Stewart Weddings, on the Food Network, and in Vogue, the magazine you'll hear that started it all for her. She shares the love for craftsmanship and artistry one petal at a time in classes. And she is a big advocate 
of doing what you are joyfully drawn to, then putting in the work and the practice to make that dream a reality. Welcome to the Southern Fork, Manette. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so sorry it took a few minutes for that to happen, but you have one of the most Southern of names, so I'm, you're so genteel about all of these shifts and changes of our time. That comes with age, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and having to be nice when the pressure's on at a wedding, right? Exactly. <laughs> Don't lose your cool. So we are sitting inside of the Thompson Hotel. Actually, at this moment, we're sitting inside my hotel room, inside the Thompson Hotel, after a little bit of a mix-up. It's wonderful to spend time with you. You are a Savannah native, am I correct in that? At this point in my life, yes. I grew up, my dad was in the Air Force, and at that time, we moved around every two years Mm -hmm. until I was about 16, and then he retired. My mother was from Savannah, and she said, I'm going home. Oh, love And it. he said, okay, well, I guess I'm going with you. Well, this is a wonderful place to build a business like yours, which is on happy times, yep. sweets, confection, yep. airy dreams. And the reason I'm having you on today is not just beautiful cakes and constructed and smooth buttercream icing, but insanely beautiful sugar flowers. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so um, when I first came across your work, I was in person with it and did not realize that it wasn't a real flower. Oh my gosh. So that was something. I mean, I was just glancing, you know, it wasn't like I was studying this work, but these are beautiful lifelike flowers and your poppies are very thin and delicate. I want to talk a little bit about the process. I know you teach classes and people have listened to the intro. But I'd like to just start by jumping into the deep end of this because I want people to understand the magic that sugar can do. So what is the process in general that creates the medium that can be molded into petals? Is that the right way to ask that question? Yes. Okay. It it really is a process. And um, you make the dough, you cut the petals... You manipulate the petals to get them where they're lifelike, Mm -hmm. and then you dry them, and then you put them together, and then you dust them, and they come alive. So it really is, it's very labor-intensive, but it's very much a labor of love. And um, It's a piece of art. It really is. That is going to melt in your mouth. It really is. Because it's like cotton candy, really, when you bite into it. It's sugar paste, so it's made primarily of powdered sugar and some stabilizing ingredients that allow it to dry and allow you to manipulate it before it dries. And it's just a wonderful medium. So do you use a pasta roller to get it super thin? Because we're talking about the sugar paste that you see on the Food Network that people like Duff Charm City Cakes mold into like little Lego heads and trains and everything else. It's just like a modeling clay Play-Doh type thing. Exactly. But it doesn't look like that in your hand. So is that the same thing? It's um, the same principle. The dough is different. But it can be manipulated very much like a pasta dough is. And in fact, for years, I used a pasta machine and attachment to my kitchen mixer. Yeah. Okay. Now I have a professional one. But um, back then, yeah, absolutely. 
So how long have you been making wedding cakes? Since dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> I like to say 20 years, but it's really been a little longer than that. Okay. And what got you into the rabbit hole of sugar paste flowers? I saw, well, actually, my sister gave me a, ma- a Vogue magazine that had pictures of wedding cakes that Sylvia Weinstock from New York had oh, done. Yeah. One of the most famous. Absolutely. Yes. And I looked at that and I said, this is for me. I've got to learn how to do this. And um, just happenstance, um, Nicholas Lodge, who was from Europe and moved to Atlanta many years ago, and he just recently passed away. But anyway... He opened a school um, because, as far as I know, no one in the United States, they were making them in mm-hmm. or teaching it. And so I went up there and took the class, left the class, and I said, this is what God put me on this earth to do. And really? I knew that was it for me. Yeah. Wow. And so what were the first flowers that you feel like you mastered? I don't know that I've still mastered anything. It's <laughs> Okay. It's always a work I knew in progress. <laughs> it's always a work in progress. We're always um mm-hmm. manipulating or trying something new, but I think roses and they're still my um still one of my favorite flowers to make. And then today you brought me the most beautiful miniature pound cake with a hydrangea. <laughs> and actually, honestly, this is shout out. My friend Debbie is here on this trip in Savannah and she goes, Is Minette gonna bring you something? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't know. We we don't know each other super well. <laughs> she said she should know you really like sugar. <laughs> My mother taught me never go anywhere oh, empty-handed. So, nice. so. so it's this most beautiful bouquet, and I was like, I can't grab that in the middle of a podcast. Like I have to wait <laughs> until after. It's beautiful. It's delicate. Beyond that, I mean, I would like to talk a little bit more about the technical stuff. You have to color these, and they're oh yeah. You use a spray thing. I do not. I'm not a um, an airbrush person at all. So what I do is if I need to color them a really deep color, the flowers need to be a deep color, then I'll add a little bit of color to the paste when I make it. Otherwise, I usually can get the color that I need from blending different dusts. And it's really about knowing your color theory and how to work with color to achieve the so this is this does move into a world of artistry. This is an so. this ephemeral nature of making this thing. Already a wedding cake is so ephemeral. I mean, it is for one moment in the reception, um half of the people say I'm not eating cake right now and you're like, "Oh, what? I've worked 3 weeks on this thing." I'd like to say that if if it's a good cake, people will eat it. So oh, that's good. There you go. Well, my favorite cake in the world is wedding cake. I'm not really great personally at weddings, um, um, but I love eating the wedding cake. And I'll be like, oh, I'll be in your wedding. Is there going to be cake? And you have to ask that now. I, know. I don't want that cakes are out of style. I feel like Julia Child, it's not a party without a cake. No. It's just a meeting. Right. It's not a wedding without a cake. Right. I'm sorry. I know Krispy Kreme. Don't at me on Instagram about this with your, you know, donut tower. And I love donuts, but it's just not the same. When you knew this was the thing that you were supposed to do, how did you deal with documenting, teaching yourself? Because this is a thing that can go away if it rains as you're pulling in the wedding Absolutely. cake, right? Right. 
Um, there's a huge learning curve with what you can do and what you can't do with the sugar flowers. Um, can you put them in the refrigerator? Can you not put them in the refrigerator? If they're dry enough, and it depends on your paste. So if you've got a paste that dries really hard, then I can decorate the cake with the flowers on a Friday if they're, if they're really good and dry and leave them in the refrigerator. All of our cakes are refrigerated. They have mousses or curd fillings or whatever. So they have to be refrigerated. So yeah, you can. Now, if we set one up at the beach, on the beach, um, then they're going to wilt because of all the humidity and moisture. Mm -hmm. So you just have to know when you can use them and when you can't. Mm -hmm. Did people start coming to you like me for the flowers? Yes. And then did you have to teach them about how the cake needs to be good too? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what is the cake crumb? I'm a big fan of chiffon cake, but I know a lot of people don't even know what that is. Yeah. Um, our cakes tend, our brides, I should say our couples, tend to like cakes that are lighter. When I first started um, making wedding cakes, it was pound cake. Everything was a pound cake. So Really? A, oh, yeah. Oh, and that's a sturdy cake. You oh, can like, it's got throw a that crust thing on, on the it. Floor and a, yeah, yeah, and you... You You're good don't need go. a crumb layer on that, baby. You don't, you don't have to put those in the refrigerator or anything. But so it's shifted from that, I think, as we saw weddings being featured. Now, this was before the internet. So I told you I was really old, but <laughs> before the internet and you got your information from magazines. And as the magazine started showing these beautiful layer cakes with these luscious fillings, then brides started coming to me and saying, this is what I want. We want something lighter. We don't want a heavy pound cake. We want a filling. Mm -hmm. And so, you want, then you wanted the different layers. Right. Everything and has to be a different, different flavor. Yes. Yeah. So it just sort of, it's been an evolution and I think it's still evolving, mm -hmm. but yeah. When did you realize that you could teach? Have you always had a teaching heart? I think I have actually. And um, I'd love to let other people who are interested in this, to to mentor them and to help them. Um, because it took me so long with teaching myself because the information just wasn't out there like it is now. Right. And if I could make someone else's life easier by telling them what I had done or showing them a way that worked for me, um, then I was always happy to do that. But that's, mm, that's not really capitalistic now, is it? For well, the survival of the fittest. <laughs> and I know all this information and especially and I'm just being, you know, provocative here. I don't believe any of that. I believe in a uh, honeycomb kind of community. I think that's really what we are. Yeah. But this idea, I mean, you have to be like, wow, I'm teaching this person how to do the thing that I get. Did you, did that cross your mind at all? There were, there have been people in my life who have given to me and shown me things and taught me things that allowed me to go and grow. Mm -hmm. Did I become them? No, I didn't. I became me. And um, so I've always been thankful for that. And as a way to say thank you to them, then I'm happy to pass on what I know, because I know that they're going to take the information and put their spin on it, their style on it. I can't do every wedding cake in town. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do every wedding cake in town. Um but if I can help you become the best you, then I take away a lot from that. that and there's a pride happy. for you. Absolutely. Of, like this was a student. So you do in-person classes. Right. 
which I have not taken, but will <laughs> you should come down. We try to corner fun. myself into um, next time I'm in Savannah. And um, I must tell you of a childhood dream. I used to see the people at the grocery store, and they had a window to make the cakes. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I'm going to be a cake decorator when I grow up. Yeah. And I am not a cake decorator. And um, I had a failed partnership with Wilton. Um, I heard about that. <laughs> and I think I might have mentioned it on the Joy the yes. Baker. They weren't. They were like, whatever. But actually, I had a phone call, and they were like, "You don't want these. You need more of the beginners." <laughs> and um, my dad, who's passed away, I made. I got really excited with the piping, and made. A Christmas cake that had enough dye in it to make us all go to the hospital. Yeah. And he said, it looks great if you hold it back there. <laughs> and Dads that, are great, aren't they? That was really sweet. You know, he was like, it looks good from here. I was like, you're literally in the other room looking in. Um, so I'm not the patient person to do this. Um, but this teaching and this idea, do you also do online? I have done online stuff. I just don't um, – I would love to be able to do more online stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time – I like to be there and watch so I can say, hey, let's move the spatula this way or move it that way. Mm -hmm. And online, I just have – I struggle with that. I want yeah. to make sure that the frosting's the right consistency or the gum paste is the right consistency. Mm -hmm. And I can only do that if you're with me. Right. Right. So while it sounds like a great idea, I don't know for me right now that it's something that's working, going to work. Yeah. So you're still, you're teaching and you're still making wedding cakes. Yeah. And it's not just in Savannah, it's regional. Yeah. About how many do you do a year? Because we're in wedding cake season and I bet there's t some brides-to-be that are being like, I'm Googling her right now. <laughs> I try not to do more than 20 to 30 a year. For mm -hmm. me, that's a good pace. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to be able to teach. I need that to nurture myself, too. And so that seems to be a good sweet spot where I can do both things, both teach and um, make cakes, too. So, And so each cake from, like, the tasting, so, like, you have a tasting, and the couple comes in or people associated with the wedding come in, and they decide. So from that decision of cakes and fillings, what is the time to take to make one average wedding cake that you make? Are you talking about the actual process of starting the work on the cake? Or are you talking about from the time we meet? I'm thinking process. So like people hear 20 to 30 and they think, wow, that might not sound like that much because there are 52 weeks in a year. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, usually for us, it's anywhere from an eight, eight month to six month process. So I usually work through wedding planners. So mm -hmm. the wedding planner will contact me and mm -hmm. then we'll set up a meeting and then I'll meet with either the whoever's handling the details once yeah. the details have been ironed out for the event so that the cake can complement what's been chosen for the mm -hmm. decor. And weddings, I mean, I've had Jessica of Patrick Properties on before and we talked about weddings and she's an awesome um, positive force and the idea of brides and you've been in this for a long time. So weddings as an industry, 
the wedding industry has changed. Oh my gosh, yeah. Immensely. Yes. From really the focus is is now pageantry. Yes. A lot more. It's an event. Right. So how did you fall into this little niche and then stay in it? Because a lot of people would have been like, I'm out. This yeah. is too much, right? I'm maybe a glutton for punishment. I'm not sure. I'll give you an example. My sister and I were at the Ritz-Carlton in um, Orlando, mm-hmm. and we're in the spa, and uh, we'd had our massages, and we're relaxing, and I'm looking around, and I said, that pattern on the draperies would make a great pattern for a wedding cake. And she said, do you ever turn it off? So it's a compulsion for you. It, it is. It Just is. like this is for me, right? Yes. Yes, yes. And it's one that I still love. I still like. I still think about. It's what drives my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to let it go. Well, it's your creative it is. process. Do you consider yourself an artist inside your heart? I do. I do. Yeah. And I always have. And, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't go to art school. There wasn't such a thing, I don't think. Um, there was, you're not that old. There was, well, (laughs) Mark Rothko went to it and he's older than you. But artists, um, you didn't have an artistic career unless you taught it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Or you didn't see people that did that. So I didn't, this was a way for you to do that, right? right? A craftsman way. Yeah. So is there a flower that you haven't tackled yet that just really want to do? No. No, you've done orchids and orchids, lilies, lilies, Icelandic poppies. Most of my flowers now are centered around what brides are using in their wedding, obviously. And um, the David Austin rose, the garden roses, the last few years have been huge. And those were fun to learn to do because it really took some thought and work Mm -hmm. to have them turn out just the way I wanted them. So that's been fun. But there's always something new that florists are bringing in. And that's really where I take my lead from. Florist, floral design has trends. We know this. We remember the 70s and the, uh, what is it, the dye-dipped carnations. (laughs) If I ever get married again, that's all I'm having. It's those ones that look like St. Patty's. Oh, my God. That's me. I'm doing just bouquets of that everywhere. But... um. A lot of brides put live flowers on their cakes. Yeah. Right? And yeah. why you sound a little wistful about that? Um I'll give you a good example of why. Mm-hmm. Cake is food and people are gonna eat the cake, right? So I don't know what those flowers have been soaked in and I don't know what they've been sprayed with. And if you're sticking them right in the cake, I don't wanna be that person that's eating the flour that's been sprayed and soaked. So, no, thank you. Um, That's a good point. I just, you know, and I saw a florist take from her bucket, dripping flour, cut the stem off and poke it right in the cake. And I just, my mouth just flew open. And she looked at me and I looked at her and she went, oh my gosh, I never thought about it. Oh, and she knew what you and were thinking. And then she knew what I was thinking. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, yeah. So I love fresh flowers. I think they're beautiful. I have them in my house almost all the time. And you sound like somebody I really want to hang out with. Fresh flowers <laughs> in the house, I cake. Love, I There's love always it. cake. Always y'all. cake. There's always cake. 
But um, it's I don't want something on my cake that's not edible. Edible. So yeah, or you know, has been washed at least. Right. You would wash a potato before you peel it, right? Right, right. Even though you're taking that peel off, you're going to wash it, right? And who knows where flowers come from nowadays? They import them from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that in Holland, their policies are better or worse than ours in the United right. States. So, I, you know, there's just a lot of unknown. Mm-hmm. Plus, it is that wow moment, right? Yeah. When that, yeah. it has got to be a bittersweet moment when you see that knife slice through that paste, though. I've, um, I've come to terms with it. <laughs> I understand it's part of the process that right. it has taken me weeks in some cases to make the flowers to go on this cake and that in a matter of less than a minute, they're going to be taken off the cake. Cake's going to be cut and served as it should be. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's important to me to not only hear that the cake was beautiful. But that it was delicious as well. Do you go just you go and set up the cake? And Always. All, I mean, like I, I watched the thing on Sylvia. So when that set up, do you stay and watch it cut? No, 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 no. By the time that happens, I am eating dinner somewhere and drinking a margarita because the soul girl is tired. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, it is just such a very specific thing, and if you're a southerner like me, I know it's shocking based on this accent, but you know that Southern weddings are like just a thing apart. Right. And, and, um, we all saw, what was that movie with Julia Roberts? Steel Um, Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. That was like the quintessential (laughs) wedding movie, right? right? Of that era. I know some of you weren't even born. I'm getting old, but, um, Southern weddings and being a part of this happy day and doing this thing, I I love that I can tell that you have a private joy and satisfaction about this, not just making the bride happy, but this is a work. So what is making you hungry? What's next? I mean, you're one of the foremost wedding cake designers in the region, a region that is a destination for more and more brides. Huge destination market. Huge destination market. You are teaching passing on your legacy, not that you need a legacy. You're still hitting the margarinas pretty good, but you know what I mean. Um, And beyond that, you really are settled. You can choose which ones you want to do, but you're an artist. So there's got to always be something. Honestly, for me, the next thing is I want to teach people how to make this a viable business because so often the wedding cake, the wedding cake business Because so often artists, not just wedding cake artists, but artists in general, I think, they take so much gratification from the work that being paid is almost a second thought. You know, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, you're going to pay me for this. Mm -hmm. But how to make it a sustainable business. I know it can be done. I know it took me a long time to figure out how to make it done, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. And I think we as artists, as women tend to shortchange ourselves on that. Absolutely. And I really feel that that's um, something I'd like more people to understand how to do it and how important it is to do it. I love it. Great. What is one aspect of this job that um, really meshes like a puzzle piece with the natural part of your personality? I think I'm a giving person. Mm-hmm. 
And this business really allows me to do that. You're hiring me to make your cake, but hopefully I'm giving you an amazing piece of art that's also a delicious dessert that's going to make your day even more special. That's what I like to think anyway. We we live in such a time, and this is not one of the four questions, but I have to ask it. We live in such a time where there's so much to do that beauty is always second to function, right? Mm-hmm. Function is over form. What is the value of beauty in a thing like this? Why is it important? I think the event, I think you want your event to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the touches that you choose to have at this event make it even more beautiful because it is about the couple and it's about. And they're also trying to tell a story, right? right? And reveal something about themselves. Right. A style, a history, a dream. Yeah. Something like that, right? Right. I think the simple beauties are important to me and it makes me feel good as a person. Mm -hmm. And that's just a gift I feel like I can give to my couples. Yeah. Well, I think as Americans, you know, we're just so rushing ahead. And like, we look at something like Japanese culture, and Japanese culture is beautiful. Yeah, just because. Yep. It's just what you do, right? And so no one would ever ask that question if they weren't American. But don't you think it, I mean, when you walk into a place and there's fresh flowers and it's all nice and neat and clean. Every day of my life in my house. And then, (laughs) (laughs) but doesn't that give you kind of a calming sense? It is. It is. And I do think that beauty has a place. I mean, I am a writer and I want to write beautiful things. I want to create a beautiful sound that helps people know you, not just function. I want it to sound pleasing right. to somebody so that they stay and listen and they feel lifted up and calmed, yeah. you know, even though I'm the least calm person, you know, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, he's, you're so calm. Your voice is very soothing. I have to say. Yeah. It's not soothing for me. <laughs> Doesn't so everybody like, say that though? Inside your head, inside my head, the voice inside my head. Anyway. That's not really for you, Southern Fork listeners. That's for my counselor twice a month. <laughs> so anyway, is there one thing keeping you up at night? Quick fire. Um, no, not really. Other than my 14-year-old cat. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I should ask you, <clears throat> do you have a favorite cake, Faliva? Honestly, I like a good vanilla cake. I do, too. Well, uh, I'm a chiffon. I like an almond, though. Do you? I do love an almond. I'm vanilla. I make my own vanilla. I love vanilla. Okay. (laughs) You win. We knew that wasn't a fair fight. Well, I'm so thrilled to invite you into the family of Southern Fort guests who are as diverse as the flowers on the cakes that you make. And um, one thing that I reserve only for Southern Fort guests is something I call the magic picnic basket. And so this is Instead of a death row meal, it is a meal to bring you life. So it doesn't have to be a traditional picnic. We're not throwing out a thing. This is all like a dream meal scenario. I would love to bring you some of your favorite things in this basket so I can time travel. I can go back and ask somebody to make one more bite of something that you've dreamt of ever since you had it. I can source for you and I can cook a little bit. I do make a really great Fanta orange 
pound cake. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I've developed my recipe from the ginger ale pound cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love it. But, um, you know, we can share that later. I can put a slice or two of that in there, but I would love to bring you some of your favorite things. So give me my grocery list. What can I bring? I love this question. You can bring um, my grandmother's chicken and dumplings, Good. which I love. It's and where did favorites. she grow up? Where did she live? Savannah. Oh, yeah. So we're talking multi-generational oh, yeah. here, Savannah. And um, my mother's chocolate meringue pie. She was a fabulous pie maker. And then a bottle of Vouve from my daughter. That was her favorite champagne. Mm-hmm. Which also goes well with this Everything. aforementioned things. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's it. That's so it. we're going sweets and champagne? Yeah. Well, I will be at this picnic, Manette. <laughs> so... Thank you so much for being here. People would love to learn more about Manette Rushing and her custom cakes in Savannah, Georgia. You're talking to a um, Savannah tried and true. You can go to the southernfork.com. I'm going to have links there as well as images so you can see the face behind the voice. And also get a chance to see these sugar paste flowers. They're amazing. You can also follow her on Instagram and then comment things like, this has to be real. You know, feel free to do that. <laughs> I heard you on the Southern Fork, but this thing is real, right? It's not really sugar. Um, but if you like what you hear, there are more than 300 and 300 plus episodes in the archives. Like I say, this is an era of my life. It involves um, hotel rooms, letting people see that I am messy when I am in a hotel. You are not messy. <laughs> um, but also... Um, going out and finding amazing stories, sometimes just because I decide to eat cake at a wedding. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time and coming down here to the Thompson Hotel today. It has truly been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's great. Let's go eat some cake. All right. Hello, and welcome to Talking With My Mouthful. Um, as you know, as a writer in the the food and travel space, um, I have been fascinated and have written about cake and bakeries probably for the, most of my career. And I've really had baking on the brain recently because I have pinned two profiles for Bake from Scratch magazine. And I just wanted to let you know about those two. If you have made it to this point of the podcast, then you have baking on the brain as well. So uh, the first one, I got to interview Richard of Caroline's Cakes in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And you might remember him from an episode that I did a couple of years ago. And then um, coming out soon or just out is um, a profile I did of Candace Nelson, who on Cupcake Wars on the Food Network, but also revolutionized uh, the bakery industry by starting a cupcake-only bakery in LA named Sprinkles. And of course, the idea of a cupcake-only bakery, a gourmet grown-up cupcake, that idea really swept the nation and we had these cupcake bakeries pop up all over 
um, after Sprinkles really established its brand. So it was really fun to speak with Candace and talk to her about that. Um, she has a new book out and then also to really get into all the sticky caramel cake goodness that uh, a visit to Caroline's Cakes can really afford. I got to go on the factory floor during the Christmas rush and the scent alone was just breathtaking. Um, all that caramel smell and the vanilla cakes and all of that was just really a childhood dream come true. As you can tell, I really like sweets. So anyway, or cake, maybe not all sweets, but I really like cake a lot. So thanks so much for listening and make sure and check out those two recent pieces of writing. Look for Bake From Scratch magazine and I will be writing um, until I talk to you again next week. Have a great one. And I hope at some point you get a piece of cake. You've been listening to the Southern Fork. I can't wait to bring you more culinary conversations, but in the meantime, I have one question. Are you going to eat all that? <laughs>